Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Beyond the Brand Podcast. Evan and Alex here again with an episode welcoming country singer Julia Cole. Evan and I aren't the craziest on country music, but she is definitely worth a listen. Julia is on all platforms and even has a song called Side Piece, which she explains during the episode because I was very curious to hear that story. Uh, That's every man and woman's worst fear. From college volleyball to country singer to American Idol to COVID and traveling to China to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, you guys for sure want to listen to the whole episode. Now, Bruce, take it away for us. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! Recording out of New York City, New York. Welcome to the undisputed greatest podcast in the world, Beyond the Brand! How's it going? Great, how are y'all? Good, good. This is Alex, by the way. I'm Evan. Hey. How's it going? Love the guitars in the background. Yeah, nice little setup. Yeah, this is the pad. (laughs) You're based out of Nashville, right? Sure am. Yeah, I was just down there uh, for the game last week. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, it was fucking... Too bad that everything's, like, still weird here. I know, it was crazy. It was like, uh, I mean, everyone had to, like, go home by, like, 11 or leave the bars by 11, but it was, like, that Friday night was, like, packed. Yeah, if you go, like, 15 minutes outside of town, you can find bars that are still fun. I wish I knew that. (laughs) I just hung out on Broadway the whole time. Which is still a good vibe. You just have to be seated at tables. Yeah, and, and like, during the day, it was fine. But, like, Mm -hmm. the whole ending at 11 kind of sucked because that was my first time down there, but. You're re- you're well, you'll have to. I mean, I feel like a lot of people ha- are going to have to redo their 2020 Nashville trips. Yeah, yeah, but we made a pact that would be going back for every uh, Colts Titans game this year. So, oh, cool. Yeah, so every time they're down there, definitely have to check. It out. That was your first time. Yeah, I've never been. Yeah, I've never been. You're wearing a New York shirt, though. I see. Oh yeah, I. It doesn't really mean much, but I have one in New York shirt on. I don't remember where I got the shirt. Is, is that a beer in your hand or no? No, it's a LaCroix. Oh, uh, uh, been hype. Uh, I went pretty hard this weekend, so. <laughs> we feel that because yeah. I got off my flight. Likewise. <laughs> I got off my flight, landed. I was like, yo, guys, like I've, I've been drinking since Tuesday. I think I'm going to take like this weekend off. I landed. We immediately started getting like fucked up with our neighbors and we're still recovering like from today yeah we went like really hard friday night and didn't think about the fact that saturday we had an open bar gala that started at 5 p.m and went to midnight oh my lord and then the next day we went to a brewery that's dangerous so and then a bar so sounds sounds fun though yeah it was a great weekend but (laughs) LaCroix. lacroix it is yeah. And I went to sleep at like 9.30 last night. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, cool. So it's like really straightforward, like easygoing, like interview. We just kind of, we'll just ask you about like your upbringing, kind of go in like chronological order of like just your whole life and your, your story. And then um, 
Before we start, we actually, we do the national anthem, so we actually want you to sing it. <laughs> oh, yeah, perfect. Okay. <laughs> totally fun. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, we do a pre-recorded intro, so it's nothing they have to, you know, we'll just kind of hop into it. So take us a little bit through, um, like, growing up. Um, you're from originally Houston, correct? Yeah, from Houston, so Texas, born and raised. Take us a little bit through that, and I guess how you started singing, because I know I saw you were, you were more of an athlete, like, growing up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely got my start in music via athletics, which is super weird for most musicians. are like, I've been singing since I was three, and that's all I ever wanted to do. I'm like, my volleyball teammates and coaches randomly heard me sing on the bus in the locker room, just, like, along with the radio, and they were like, you should start doing our national anthems, because we just had, like, a recording that played every game. Mm-hmm. And I went to a 4,000 kid high school. And so I started to do the national anthems for all my volleyball games, all my basketball games. And then it started to spread to all the other teams in our school. So I started to do the anthem for everything. So I was singing this song like, like a hundred, hundreds of times, you know? And like, and like, and, te- and like Texas high school sports is no joke. Like there's a bunch of people there. Like anyway. It's heated. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's life or death out there. Like high yeah. school sports are everything. And so um, that's how it kind of started. And my junior year of high school, there was a national anthem contest for the Houston Texans. So, um, you know, my dad sat with a camcorder in the game room and recorded me and we sent the video in and I ended up winning this contest. And so my first like real performance in front of people was a national anthem sold out season closer Texans Jaguars game 75,000 people jets flying over just the most insane experience you could possibly imagine for you know a high school kid and you you weren't nervous at all I wasn't nervous and it was so weird (laughs) because it's not like I don't get nervous because when I was running track and I'd be on the starting block I, I was like my stomach was doing somersaults so I absolutely, you know, <laughs> get nervous for other things. But for some reason, I was just, I guess I had just done the song so many times. And I was just so excited to be there that I was like, couldn't, just couldn't wait to get out there and do it. My dad was super nervous, though, because um, we got there and we do a sound check a few hours before the game. And so I sing my normal national anthem the same way I've been doing it for, you know, a couple of years. And, and they come over and they're like, that was great, sweetie, but we're going to need you to cut off 30 seconds of that anthem. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. So my dad gets a stopwatch and we go sit in the back room and we just like practice over and over again until I can cut it down because they had the jets flying over timed perfectly for like the end of the song. Mm-hmm. So I had to have it down to, it was like, you know, one thirty or whatever the timing was. And so I had to change a lot of it. And, and it was definitely a bizarre thing to have to rework the whole thing an hour before you're going to sing it in front of 75,000 people for the first time. And again, you're like, seven, you're like 17 years old, never sang yeah. like that. And it was like times 10 pressure <laughs> yeah. like for you. It's but like I was like, I got this. It's fine. I'm I get good. stage fright on Zoom calls when I have to work. You know, like, like, <laughs> like when I have to talk to like four people, you know, if I have to speak to more than four at a time, like 75,000 is no joke. It's legit. I'd rather sing than talk in front of people a hundred times out of a hundred times. So. Yeah, I can see that. 
I just sing like shit. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't so know. I can't relate, <laughs> I can't relate to that. So you, so you never took like singing lessons or anything growing up? Like I know you took like piano lessons and stuff, correct? I was in choir in middle school. Okay. And then I took it for one, um, one credit in high school because you had to get a fine arts credit. Mm-hmm. But I was not like a, you know, serial choir girl. I was, I used all my extra credits for extra sports classes pretty much you know just staying I was in all AP classes so I was trying to my family is super nerdy and we were always trying to like one-up each other and um you know my my older sister and I both ended up graduating number 12 out of a thousand kids so you can tell how competitive that was we both ended up the same number which is super bizarre my little sister kicked our butt she graduated number four but um every you know I had to take a lot of those elective classes to get extra AP credits and stuff because, you know, fine arts classes and sports classes actually are like a lower grade point average. So you have to take the AP classes if you want to rank higher. It was a whole system, but yeah, I definitely, I, I pretty much only did music. Um, my mom made me play piano growing up. We fought about it uh, mostly cause it was classical. It was all, um, music theory and nothing that I was genuinely interested in. So I wanted to go and play with my friends. I didn't want to sit there and practice, but I am so grateful that she made me take piano for all those years because it is the only reason that when I finally realized my love for performing, I could kind of combine it with, I was already a writer. I wrote a novel in high school, won a bunch of poetry contests, like, I've always loved to write. I love wordsmithing and cool vocabulary and playing with words. Like it's so fun to me. And then it kind of all came together. And I was like, oh, I love to perform too. And I just already kind of know how to play piano. Why don't I try writing songs? So I kind of started writing songs right when, um, right about the same time that I did that national anthem for the Texans first. So it was really like the, like, like you said, like the love of just performing in front of that many people is what, what like got you hooked. Like that was when it was like, this is this is what I'm gonna do it was a combination of things I think that was the catalyst that started my um I guess my interest in the music industry at all mm-hmm. and once I started to enter a bunch of other singing contests in Nash or in um, Houston I won like the Woodlands Idol singing contest and then I won the Rodeo Rockstar contest that I did you know more stuff in Reliant Stadium with them And it was after I started to meet the people who were the judges of these contests that were actually involved in the music industry that I learned that there is a real job there for people who are not just like Beyonce, you know, like I thought it was a totally like unattainable, far-fetched career path that everyone in Houston I knew is like a a doctor working the oil and gas industry or a teacher or, you know, just something normal that all of my friends' parents were. And it's not like Nashville where you can't go down the street here without meeting a songwriter or a producer or a guitar player or somebody that's in the industry. But it took me getting involved with those different, you know, small things in Houston and meeting the Texas country music scene people to just learn that, okay, you really can dive into this industry and kind of figure it out. Did you go to college? I went to Vanderbilt. Okay. Volleyball player too, right? So, oh, okay. So wait, and, and if I read this correctly, you were in a sorority, right? Kappa. 
So how did you That's balance? How did you balance sorority life, volleyball, and then singing on top of it? And what did you study? Um, I majored in entrepreneurship and creative enterprise, and um, I, I, you know, music was my priority because I kind of realized at a certain point what's going to be my real career path. And as much as I'm obsessed with sports, and if you you know, have read anything about me, all the, the charity stuff I do, I try to keep athletics involved. I'm super passionate about promoting women's athletics because I think it does so much to build your character. But with society being the way it is currently, I knew there wasn't a really, you know, lucrative career path for me in volleyball if I stayed that route. However, I'm, you know, just as passionate about music and there is a real career path there. So that's kind of why my my attention shifted to focusing on that. And that's why I majored in entrepreneurship was because, you know, you run your own company basically when you're an independent musician. Right. And, um, and I really didn't do that much with my sorority. Like my sister was a Kappa and she wanted me to be one and the girls were super sweet. And it was a, it was a fun thing to kind of like do for, the beginning of, of college, but the way Vanderbilt is, you don't even really only hang out with your sorority because you don't rush until second semester. So you kind of already have a bunch of friends. So it's a really mixed group of, of girls anyway. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I did, I even missed the beginning of rush. Like I had to sing for a basketball game and I missed the whole first day of Rush. And I just remember like a bunch of the sororities were pissed about that. And like, she shouldn't be able to rush and all this stuff. And I was like, that's my job. I got to do it, you know? <laughs> it sounds like sorority drama for sure. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> I was like, well, okay, then I won't. And then did, they were still did, like, all right, okay, you can go. <laughs> did that play a factor into you wanting to go to Vanderbilt? Because it was in, or like right there, right outside Nashville? Yeah, that was like a big part. Yeah, I, it's super weird how everything kind of fell into place because I was in love with Vanderbilt before I was in love with music weirdly my sophomore year of high school I ended up going on this college you know scouting tour for my whole spring break which I was very pissed about by the way because it was my spring break and I wanted to go to the beach but my parents wanted my older sister to get to go see these schools so I got drugged along on this trip we went and saw, you know, Duke and Wake Forest and a few other schools. And Vandy was the last one on Kristen's list. And the, the guide, the tour guide was a creative writing major. And she and I hit it off and ended up just talking the entire tour. Like my sister hardly even talked to her. I was just up there at the front with this tour guide the entire time. And I just knew that their creative, creative writing program was amazing. I loved the campus and you know, Vandy was kind of a, a dream school before I was even looking at schools. So it just kind of all fell into place that, oh, it also happens to be located on Music Row. What? So I lived on campus, walked across the street to intern on Music Row, walked across the street to go back to my dorm. Like, can't make it up. Unbelievable. Yeah, that is wild. It's kind of <laughs> wild for you, like how it all just kind of played out and like went hand in hand. It's pretty nuts. Well, it's, it definitely, like, I always say to people, I'm like, I didn't choose music. Music picked me. Like, I was living my life over here, and it was just like, nope. 
<laughs> so would you say you're a Titans fan or no shot? I have a very good explanation for this. Okay. So I'm a Texans fan. They not only are the team that, you know, I grew up rooting for in Houston, but yeah. also got me my start in my passion for music doing national anthems for them. So I have like kind of a personal connection to them. So there's this really awkward divide because the Titans are the old Houston Oilers. So at first I was like really not supposed to like the Titans. However, when Hurricane Harvey hit and Houston flooded, Taylor Lewin from the Titans, um, the Kings of Leon and I put like worked on this fundraiser and we raised $85,000 for uh, the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund. We gave it to J.J. Watts Relief Fund. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, the Titans gave another million dollars, the team did. Wow. So I was like, whatever. I live, in, I, I live in this city now, too, and they're helping my hometown out. So I got some love for the Titans now, too. <laughs> if they're rooting against each other, I cheer for the Texans. But if it's Titans versus anyone else, I'll cheer for the Titans. Gotcha. Wow. That's so, so you were like, you, you like work directly with Taylor Lewan on that? Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's hilarious. I had a chance to, uh, I was actually in Cabo with him last or two years ago. And he's like, oh, cool. He's just an awesome dude. Like, he's just yeah, like, my whole family was there too. So we all got to hang out. And that was the first time I met him. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone there was just so awesome. It was performing. Uh, Chase Rice also played with us that night and the guys had signed a bunch of jerseys and signed a bunch of you know memorabilia to do like an auction with and it was just a lot of amazing people coming together to to help Houston yeah. when it was going through the Hurricane Harvey like dilemma it was crazy mm -hmm. how um how do you ever how often do you ever go back to Houston or you, you just kind of hang out now. I go back a lot. My yeah. my parents are still there, and a lot of my extended family is there. My family's all in Houston and Louisiana, like Jennings, Lafayette, and um, so I'm I'm pro I'm pretty much either in one of those two places if I'm visiting family. How familiar are you with Mary Harden Baylor? Mary Harden Baylor? Yeah, they're in they're in Texas, somewhere in Texas. I don't know. You don't know. We played them in football. They're like a big D3 school, and they fucking smoked us. <laughs> they put, really? Yeah, they, they put up legit like 80 points against us. It was, no way. Oh, my gosh. Their stadium was huge, and I was like, yo, this Texas football is real different. Texas football is unreal. It really is. Yeah. I wished I could have played high school football, honestly. I'm like, really? as much fun as I had playing all my sports, the crowds that would show up for Texas football, I was so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see it. And some of their stadiums look like better than like college stadiums. That yeah, I've well, because a lot of high schools in Texas are as big as, you know, small colleges. Vanderbilt is 6,800 undergrad. My high school really? now is 6,000 kids. Wow. Well, I, didn't, I didn't realize Vanderbilt was that small. Yeah, Vandy's tiny. That's why we have so much trouble competing in the SEC. Wow, I never realized that. What position yeah. would you want to play if you played football? <laughs> I feel like I'd be a wide receiver because I'm pretty fast. Okay. And how? And did you play? You played volleyball all four years there. Well, I graduated early, but yes, technically, I because it was the first semester. So yeah. Gotcha. So, and then when was like your your first big break with music? Like after? I mean. 
I know you, you were like, well, you it, was all kind of, here, but. it was kind of during school. So I guess the first really cool things that started happening um, in the Nashville world, one, I got connected with two amazing, you know, songwriter, artists, producers named Chuck Cannon and Laurie White. And they are married. Um, Laurie has since tragically passed away from a very, very sudden aggressive cancer. And it's been the most difficult thing ever. She passed away um, almost three years ago. But when I um, got to town, the two of them kind of took me under their wing. And Chuck wrote, How Do You Like Me Now? Love the Way You Love Me, American Soldier. I mean, more hits than you can imagine. And Laurie produced Toby Keith, his whole White Trash With Money album, produced Sean Mullins, and had um, three top 20 singles as a country artist herself, like on country radio. So the two of them were, you know, Nashville, like royalty and just knew everybody. Mm -hmm. So they started kind of teaching me the art of songwriting. And, you know, I thought I was writing good songs and then they were like, haha, that's hilarious. Let me show you how to really write a song. <laughs> and, you know, it was like, it was like another college class. I mean, they were critiquing my stuff and, and, being like, this doesn't, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can do this. And as much as it is like a creative process where you want to just let it uh, be however you feel it, there's also a formula that has been figured out by a lot of these hit writers. There's a reason why there's only a few people in town that are getting all the number ones. There's a specific thing that you can kind of recreate with each different song idea. And I mean, y'all know, you've probably at least realized the song structure. It's like a verse, then a chorus, then a second verse, then a chorus, then a bridge, and then a chorus. It's like the little things like that. That's the most basic rule, but there's a lot of little things that you learn. So signing a publishing deal with them was my first really cool big step of like, I'm doing something with people who obviously have credibility. And if they believe in me, that makes me believe more in myself too. And while I was in school, I also signed with uh, CAA. That was the agency that started booking all my shows. Blake McDaniel's my agent there, and we're still working together. He's he's the bomb. So that's actually how the whole thing looped, linked up with Taylor. Yeah, because he signed with CAA. CAA is like, I mean, they're like the top in the world <laughs> at what they yeah, do. Yeah, I remember freaking out. I was like, I'm with the same agency as Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I freaked. <laughs> and JJ Watt, my signing bonus was to go hang out with JJ Watt. I brought my whole family. Really? Wow, that's pretty. Yeah, good. we went. We went to like a one of their practices, and he came over and was just so sweet. We took a bunch of pics with my family, and wow. it was hot. It was so hot. Oh my gosh! But it was really fun. Yeah, I was gonna ask, were you like sweating the whole time just meeting him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. It was cooking. We. I, I got like a sunburn from it, and I don't burn. I'm. I'm Cajun. I get super tan, but. <laughs> I had some straight up red lines from my my shirt that day. <laughs> That's funny. So, go ahead. I was gonna ask. So you you have a song that is out right now called Side Piece. Does that hit home a little bit? Oh well, I mean, that, I wrote it. I would hope it, I I would hope it hits home for me. Eh, eh, well, talk to us a little bit about that. There's got to be a story. So, yeah, I mean, I've always I've always had a problem being vulnerable in music. It's never been my strong suit. And I think for the longest time, I was so focused on um, just trying to put out like really fun party music that, you know, was 
going to be good at a frat party that I didn't ever tap into any of the relationship things that had ever happened to me. And part of the songwriting process when you're learning how to, to be a good writer is figuring out ways to, to write about something that's personal to you, but still make it accessible to the rest of the world. And um, with that song, I really didn't want to put out like a woe is me, feel sorry for me song about, you know, the whole situation. I didn't realize how many people could relate to, you know, their significant other and their best friend, like getting together. But apparently, according to everyone on TikTok, that has happened to a lot of people. And I saw um, that with the most views on YouTube as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. and it's been wild. I mean, on TikTok, it's got millions of, of views and thousands of girls have made videos doing the side piece challenge, lip syncing <laughs> the song. And, um, you know, a lot of them include their whole story about what happened and what, whatever it is. Um, but the main, <laughs> the main reason I wanted to, to write the song the way that I did though, is that if you listen to the lyrics, it's got kind of a sassy, like, I feel sorry for you that you cheated because you don't get to date me anymore. It's like a very sassy, like Lizzo approach to the entire thing. And, um, and I just, I'm, my goal is to help girls that have gone through things like that feel empowered afterwards and change the outlook on how they're seeing it instead of seeing it as, oh, I wasn't good enough or, oh, you know, I, maybe I did something wrong or I'm never going to find somebody that's, that's honest to me and I can trust the other side of things being like, that was just a dud and you're better off without him or her. So that's, uh, you that's said, the side piece spill you, tea. <laughs> you said a lot of high schoolers were reaching out to you. Oh my gosh. Oh, girl, women of all ages. Really? Yeah. I mean, there would be, there'd be women with multiple children talking about how that happened to them while they were pregnant or what, I mean, just like crazy, crazy things. But people do not have, what I've learned from this whole thing is that maybe I'm the only one that has an issue being vulnerable online because everybody else is putting their stories out there left and right. Yeah. Like they don't mind the whole world knowing. And um, honestly, it makes me feel amazing that the lyrics of the song are emotionally relatable to that many women now did the guy reach out to you <laughs> in like a petty way <laughs> oh yeah did he okay you didn't have to answer that but <laughs> oh wait wait do you mean po post the song coming out yes yeah. yes 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 no 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 oh okay okay <laughs> no i mean it happened years ago so it's like okay. it's like so so in my past that it's not even really yeah. like it, that's what it doesn't him. affect me to think about it um but but there were some people who did message me that like know the whole situation that were like oh i know who this is about i know that's why it's hard i'm like you you can't ever put something out there that's like right on the nose because everybody that is in your life is like hmm yeah hmm? yep. are you writing about yeah so how big is that like uh, interaction with the fans? Because honestly, that's how I, I came across you. Like when I messaged you, and then obviously you connected me with Mike. But like, how big is that 
like you're re really responsible with your fans it seems like so how's how do you go about that what made you start doing that um well I think when I was starting out I was just so shocked at any person who gave a shit about my music that I was like thanks for liking it and just like wanted to talk to them and that feeling has never really gone away it's just been um an overwhelming feeling of just like a growing family and I honestly get I, I get actually sad when somebody doesn't believe that I'm really doing it I was like oh this isn't really you like this is like some 30 year old man your manager somebody responding and I'm like sending selfies like how do you how else do I prove that this is me and like I really am the one responding to you know thousands of these messages but um, a lot of the people do really express their gratitude and, and how much it has helped them just feel part of a community. It's the Cole team, you know, it's the, the Cole team family. And I wouldn't have a job without them. You know, I wouldn't have a music career if there weren't people listening to my music. So it's, I don't view it as like charity. I think it's, they, they deserve a response from me. And I, I know it's like, it's difficult to get back to every single message. So I'm sure there's gonna be one person out there that's like, she didn't respond to me that one time. But I try, I do my absolute best to, I'll sit on, I'll go to the gym and I'll sit on the bike for hours. I'll go to the treadmill or I'll go on the elliptical and I'll just sit there and respond to messages for ever until, until I'm just like, I have something I actually have to be at. <laughs> And that actually like but that goes so far because I just even remember like being younger and like meeting like an athlete or something that I looked up to like like it goes so so much further than like you think and like you could probably relate to that too like growing up yeah for sure wait so are, are you go ahead sorry I'll say it's really cool now because you know I've been touring for all these years and I've opened for so many different people I've played all over the world you know all over America and then 12 cities and seven different countries in Europe and New Zealand and Mexico and just all these different places. And I guess at the time it was really hard to tell that like what I was doing was getting across to people or really making a, a big difference. But now all of those people are sending me photos of these shows that I've played since like 2013. And it's like, wow, they went back and found that photo from that concert just to send it to me. And they're still listening to my music now. Mm. And it's been, you know, photos from all over the world that I've gotten these pictures back. And there's selfies of us from after the show or pictures of me on stage in Germany or whatever it is. And um, it really is, it, like I don't know if they know how much that means to me because it makes me realize like okay all those things you did even if it was a show with 30 people in the crowd like those 30 people remember it and it meant something to them and they're part of the Cole team forever so it's been cool yeah a quick question for you so you I, I just made this connection because we, we've had uh so I'm not sure if you listen to other types of music or anything like that are you are you a yes, fan of I do. okay um so you do you know obviously who um, two friends are? Yeah. Big booty mix. So did you know Eli? Because he went to Vanderbilt. Like I wasn't sure if you were there at the same time. 
Yeah, we were there at the same time. And I just remember, it's really cool to see everything that's going on with their career. It's like, because we've had it's him, really fun. We've had there weren't a lot of music kids at Vandy. So the few kids that, you know, I did see really going for it that were Vandy kids, I was like, this is a, this is a small community and we're all rooting for each other. Yeah, that's why when you told me it's a small school, because we've had him on the podcast before, and I remembered him saying that he went to Vanderbilt. So I was yeah. curious. Have you ever connected with him? Yeah. Awesome. How'd that go? Well, <laughs> you guys going to collab? Yeah, I mean, the they're, they're, they're super cool. You guys going to collab in the future? Aren't they with CAA too, or no? I didn't ask. I mean, I think possibly. they are. CAA is huge. So I'm, I, there, yeah. are, um, there are a lot of EDM acts with the, the I think CAA. They're like, I think they're like, Re like relatively new to like signing with CAA I'm pretty sure okay then maybe I just hadn't seen that yeah I've been I've been in my own world for these last couple of months I mean I was in Africa for a month so on top of that I was off the grid but yeah it's I been I was gonna ask you about how, how was uh was that in related to like the philanthropy stuff you were talking about before like what, what was the reason for you going out there completely unrelated okay completely unrelated this was one of those uh, trips to just kind of test my own willpower and strength. Um, my best friend and I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Wow. So it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It was an eight day climb. Um, the summit, the summit was on day six. Well, technically day seven, but it started, we woke up at 11 PM, started the climb at midnight climb through the pitch black with just headlamps straight vertical it's below zero degrees you're almost 20,000 you're almost 20,000 feet so you've like no oxygen and you're just going through the pitch black and you summit the mountain at sunrise and probably you know 45 minutes before sunrise I was about to like collapse I was just like and it's it's so much even obviously it's physically so difficult because you've just been climbing for all these days but on top of that the mental battle of that summit day because you're just going in the pitch black and you can't see when it's ever going to be over it feels like the longest night of your life but when we got to the top it was it looks like you're on the moon. It's so unbelievable. And there's like the big crater, the volcano. So it's the, it's the tallest freestanding mountain on earth. Mm -hmm. And it's the tallest point in Africa. It's one of the world's seven summits. And um, there are five climate zones. You go from, you know, tropical rainforest to moorland, to alpine desert, to desert, to glacier ice. Holy shit. So at the very top, we're just on, it's like, we're like this maze of ice spikes we're going through. And then there's glaciers everywhere that look like the way I describe it is like 10 times bigger than like Elsa's castle from <laughs> frozen, like just incredible ice glaciers. I mean, they were just, they were massive. And yeah, that was, um, how much, stuff did you have to pack, how much stuff did you have to pack with yeah, you if, if you're going through different climates like that? That's so badass. There wasn't like a Starbucks on the way. Like, <laughs> like at the top, yeah, you get so like everything. <laughs> it's so funny. There was someone. Um, I needed it. There was one of the. Wait, and you have the, to go back down? You go oh, up and go down, down? Going down was when I wanted to cry. Oh, fuck. Going down is what gave me. I like, would have jumped so off when I got to the top. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my God, that, that was bad. 
Um, but yeah, it was insane. Like I, I was half of a human. And then after, when we, when we finished the climb, I was like, I got really sick. I was toast. After I would have been, you wouldn't have seen me. I don't think I could have get through a day. I would have fucking, I don't know. This makes Although I do have to now. say it was super clutch. Um, the, the tour guide company or whatever that had our, our mountain climber guides and porters come um, with their program. When they came to pick us up from the base of the mountain, <laughs> they had two Kilimanjaro beers waiting for us. And I was like, oh, I haven't drank in eight days. That's the longest I've been sober in five years. <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> but you said you were like run down but like that you were like i'm putting that beer down i don't care oh 100 <laughs> percent. we were just so happy to finally be at the bottom that you you kind of get like this new burst of energy and then obviously we crashed like an hour later and slept for like a day what did you like eat and, and you have on the no, way up and you have no service there that that's yeah like, no service no wi-fi oh, let me take a picture <laughs> we did we took a bunch of photos but we had to actually be really conservative with our battery because yeah. you don't really have a way to charge yeah. things exactly. i brought a few like battery pack or whatever the little portable charger things are but in that cold climate it you know a lot of times that messes everything up anyway like your phone like sometimes your phone battery will just shut off if it's too cold like, I don't know if that's ever happened to y'all, but that happens to me. So I was super conservative with my, my batteries and I brought multiple GoPros so that I kind of use the batteries one by one, yeah. but we, we survived and we got pictures and videos to prove. So what, well, like what food and stuff on the way up? Like, what did you pack with you? So I packed a bunch of like cereal bars and electrolyte packets and stuff like that in my bag, but there was a separate porter who brought up food for us and he brought up porridge. We had porridge every morning. We had soup usually um, pretty much every meal, like lunch and, and dinner. And then um, they would kind of change up the other stuff that they would include after soup. So, you know, one day we would do like, it was always so, like, it was so funny, their idea. They were like, we we're gonna do all Western food because they like think they know what all the American food is like. It's still nothing like American food, but it's also not traditional <laughs> Tanzanian food either. But uh, we had, they'd bring like noodles and it'd be like noodles with, you know, butter and salt or- um, Oh my God. You they would bake chicken. They baked chicken sometimes. Um, this is fascinating to me. Like, I'm, I'm thinking like also too, this might be kind of gross, but like, is there like porta potties and shit on the way up? Like where, like, where do you stop to like- Oh yeah, it's like- they called it, you don't ever tell somebody you have to use the restroom. You say, I have to chase a monkey. And you okay. run off into the woods somewhere or behind a boulder. And like, dude, dude, I got to take a shit. <laughs> you know how many, yeah. you know how we many, were lucky. <laughs> my best friend and I got really lucky because there's a lot of horror stories about that. And neither one of us got like sick or anything on the mountain. But altitude sickness can really mess people's stomachs up. So for a lot I'd of people, a lot of people doing this climb is like just absolutely demoralizing. See, I'm pretty fucked up. Like I would have Googled like worst story that happened like on this mountain. And it well, was, people die on the mountain every year. 
Yeah, that's fucked up. No, I, would, I would assume that's the worst story. But I mean, I respect, yeah, but that, but I don't think I could ever, ever do that. That's fucking crazy. I kind of it was, it was that crazy. It was really crazy. I can't believe I did it. Now that it's done, I'm so, like, was that your sole purpose of your trip, like going out that way, or like what, like what else was? That you were was for a while, right? Yeah, we went to. Um, well, I mean, that was a that was an eight day trip. And the flights alone are like two days on the front, two days on the back. Mm -hmm. And then um, we went to a beach part of Tanzania called Zanzibar afterwards for five days. So it was kind of like we were in Moshi, the city before the climb for two days because you're supposed to like acclimatize before you start and try to get your body on like out of jet lag at least a little bit before you're going to do the hardest climb of your life mm -hmm. so we were there two days then climbed for eight then had one day in moshi again and then five days in zanzibar and then it took you know two more days to get back to my flights back to nashville i went zanzibar to dar dar to kilimanjaro Kilimanjaro to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, there to Dublin, Ireland, Dublin to DC. And then, and I was in DC on election day. Oh, wow. So I got to, we went to the White House and we did all, you know, we, and, but I was obviously a dead person because I just got off a 17 hour flight, but we still walked around and, and saw the craziness of the, the city for that day. Yeah. And then the next day I flew back to Nashville so it took six flights to get back. Wow. Jesus. And did, like, you didn't stop at all this place. That was just like like a layover, like, and you just kind of hung out at the airport. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is wild. Well, I stopped in D.C., but other than D.C. Right, right, right. Yeah. I give you props for that. Yeah. That's pretty ballsy. Have you, like, have you ever climbed the mountain before? Over the last, you know, the few months before it, I started doing some stuff. Like, I climbed Campbellback in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a – it's a hard climb, but it's a completely different thing than Kilimanjaro because Kilimanjaro, the hardest part about it is the altitude. And um, there's really no way to train for that unless I'm going to go live somewhere at altitude for a long period of time. Like even if I went to Colorado for one weekend and then left it's like your body has to re-acclimatize when you go back so it's not going to help you so i would have had to you know been at altitude for a long period of time right before going to kilimanjaro which i wasn't going to do so i just took altitude medication which thankfully i i reacted to okay um and the thing about kilimanjaro is they they want you to climb the mountain extremely slowly because of altitude because if you start getting altitude sickness and you start throwing up and getting the really bad headaches, mm -hmm. there's pretty much, it's really difficult to reverse it. So like they don't want it to start. So that's why you climb just really slowly and then you go down the mountain as fast as you possibly can. So it's just like this six and a half day, slow treacherous uphill battle and then after you finish the hardest thing ever, then you just go for a two hour jog and then another four hour jog. It's like, Jeez. and then the next day do it again, another, you know, four or five hours down the mountain. So did you ever, did you ever think of quitting? 
like halfway up, you're like, all right, screw this. You can't. There's yeah. there's really no option to because. So you're fully committed. Well, it's like the whole, like, I, you ruin it for everybody if you're going to be that person. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you guys all came to a collective decision and said, you know what, guys, fuck this, let's go back <laughs> down. <laughs> People who think, are like that. I think that, I'd be the salesman trying to do that. People who are like that don't ever try to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> that would be me. So I'm looking at it from like, I'm trying to convince all you guys we're going back down pretty soon. I'm not going to lie though. I did cry on summit day. <laughs> I'd be crying. I, tried, I didn't cry the whole time except for that one. It was like 5 a.m. and the sun still hadn't come up. And I'm like, what the hell am I ever going to be done? And I was just... It wasn't even like a cry. It was just like a dead, like just tears going down my face as I was still just like climbing. <laughs> it was so sad. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that is. But then we made it, and I was like high on the top of the mountain, literally. <laughs> How many people went with you? Well, it was just my best friend Emmy and myself, and then we had a group of porters that were like the the guide company that. Okay. basically kept us alive <laughs> yeah 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 that's smart <laughs> awesome um i want to talk about you losing your voice at american idol and all those stories at american idol how was that experience you know that experience is probably so different for me than people think it is um american idol I don't really view it as a part of my career at all because I was never on TV. So it really didn't do anything for my publicity or promotion or anything. But emotionally, it was amazing for me because I'll talk about the losing my voice thing in a second. But really what happened was that that journey, like I got cut at top 24. And so I spent about a, a month out in LA for free, all expenses paid at a hotel there. Yeah. And I was already signed to CAA. So they were hooking me up, you know, going to, to Clippers games and going right. to, I went to a Fetty Wap concert. Like I was going to all Fetty these Wap. different things while I was there. Sure. But the reason why I was so grateful to escape Nashville at that exact point in time was that was like the week I found out about the side piece drama and I didn't even care about that drama because it was also the week that my publisher Laurie passed away so the you know the best friend and the ex-boyfriend I didn't even care I was like I don't even have the emotional capacity to think or talk to either of you because I am so distraught from losing you know Laurie wasn't just my publisher she was my Nashville mom like I lived with them for two summers when I was you know, out of school and needed a place to stay in Nashville. Yeah, you know, I would have Thanksgiving with their family. I'd take the kids to dance. Like I was in that family. So um, American Idol was truly just an escape from my Nashville reality for, I think it was, it was whatever, three weeks or whatever it was while I was just gone in the sun. And it was in the winter. So I was like away from the cold, away from the the drama, away from my reality of, you know, how fragile life is and I just got to lay on the beach and escape that's awesome yeah the the whole losing my voice thing I really did lose my voice um that was 
one of the audition days. I really didn't care because I already was doing so much. Because like, I was with CAA, I already had my publishing deal. I already had, like, I was already doing the whole thing. But American Idol reached out to me and asked me to come try out. So I was like, okay. So they like, let me skip a bunch of rounds. And then when the day of the audition came, I was super sick and I just I had no voice. But I was like, yeah, whatever. I I made a commitment. I never back out when I make a commitment on something. But I just chose to sing like a really easy song. And I didn't mess up or anything. I just sang like a really easy song that wasn't gonna, you know, blow anyone's socks off. But Katy Perry was like, well, that's pretty, but we, uh, we read that you sing the national anthem. Will you sing the anthem for us? I'm like, I literally think I laughed at Katy and was like, you don't want me to do that right now. I promise you. And I was like, yeah, my voice is completely gone. Like, you not can't tell my, by my talking, you definitely don't want me to try the national anthem. That would be just like a disgrace to America right now. <laughs> and um, Luke was like, no way. What, what do you mean about the American Idol? Or what do you mean about the national anthem? And he pulled a video up on YouTube. And so he like played the YouTube video of me singing the anthem. And um, Luke was like, yeah, this is awesome. I like the last song you sang. Katie was like, yeah, I like it too. This is awesome. Come back. And Lionel was like, awesome. Come back. <laughs> so it was like a very that's, that's awesome yeah it was it that's was super cool. cool and you know now every time i see luke i was you know out there for three weeks with him and katie and lionel too but they don't live in nashville so like luke and i are like friends now anytime yeah. he sees me somewhere i'll be walking out of sony like uh from a co-write sony atv and luke will come by with his truck and i won't know he's behind me and he'll honk and scare the shit out of me and, <laughs> and roll his window down and be like hey what's up and i'm like so that got so <laughs> that, that got you the chance to open up for Luke in his concert? No, no, no. That was um, different. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's crazy. Like mo most careers start from American Idol for yeah. a lot of people, so it's pretty. Yeah, actually, it's funny. A lot of the women in in country music do come from Idol, but that's because I mean, a lot of that's because country music is a pretty um, it's a boys' club, so they have a hard time promoting anyone to country radio that's female unless you already have millions of fans yeah didn't Carrie, so carrie underwood she, carrie underwood yeah. came from idol um um and you open up let's have it. lauren elena came from idol miranda lambert came from nashville star um who else that's on country? I know Kelly Clarkson's been on some country songs. She obviously did Idol. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been kind of the the starting blocks for a lot of a lot of women. Have you Just singing, uh, singing shows in general, TV shows? Have you ever been like I saw you opened up for a lot of different people. Have you ever been like starstruck? Was there ever a moment where you were just kind of like, oh shit, like meeting someone? Not yet. Um, How is it like meeting Shaq? <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That was really cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know who I would really get starstruck by. And I think maybe that's because just from knowing so many people that are, you know, celebrity or whatever, whether it's in sports or whether it's in music or whoever they are, everyone's just like normal people. 
Yeah. And it, like when you, you know what? Not everyone is just a normal person, but everybody in country music is pretty normal. And I would say people in athletics more so are not as much in just like the Hollywood world. Yeah, the regular, regular dudes, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the, the people that I might be like, whoa, your life is crazy. Like, I, I feel like if I met Beyonce, maybe I'd be like, yeah, you name dropped her three times. I feel like yeah, no, I love her. Pretty ecstatic. She has her, her birthdays the day after mine. Are both from Houston, Texas? I'm just saying, I love her. Um, but who we're gonna else? post this episode and tag her a million times. For you. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. See, look it up. But I don't know. There's. Do your friends act not so normal around you? Like now that you're like singer and everything. No, my friends are the same. Same, same way. Okay. Yeah, but I act the same way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like it. Maybe if I was being a, a tool, they'd be different. But I'm just acting the same way we've been our whole friendships. Yeah, yeah. There are obviously the people who all of a sudden really want to be your friend, or obviously, you know, they yeah, all yeah, of a sudden yeah. really care about what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That, that's who I meant by like friends. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, but I don't. I mean, I don't mind honestly because. If you're gonna start supporting my music, now cool. Yeah. Like, if you want to jump on the cool team, you're welcome to. It's not like, it's not like they were actively like mean or anything before, but you know, they weren't coming to my shows three years ago. You know. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. So it happens to everybody that that you know starts being successful in whatever career it is. Really, if you start winning anywhere, all of a sudden people come out of the woodworks. It's funny because. Are you familiar with Barstool Sports? Yeah. Okay, so I attended their Rough and Rowdy event, their boxing event that they hold. And it's so funny. Like, it, it, it's like nothing big. It's like a small little event. And you're, it's all these people that, like, reached out to me. I'm like, dude, I never talked to you in my life. Like, why, why are you hitting me up? Because <laughs> so, they wanted to go to the event? No, just, just like, cheering me on or, like. Oh, you, you yeah. like, competed. I, I fought in it, yeah. How did it go? Yeah. <laughs> how'd it go i mean i didn't really uh, remember he got a little banged oh, up no. in the head he got he got, it, he got his bell rung a few times but oh no well hey at least you got some some new fans yeah, yeah right. it was interesting we got a lot of followers from it so. we did we did it was fun. wow that's crazy oh my gosh wow. I only had a barstool like randomly though. posted me for like all these different things but they never tagged me it's so weird like there was one photo from they had some like countdown of like you know i don't know what the title was it was something raunchy i'm sure but it was about oh, like, i i saw that i saw that when i was doing some research on you i know it was like top 10 uh pictures of julia that would make you like want to have a date with her friday night or something like that. no that's a different one there's another article that's like girls at you know sec football games or girls at whatever ncaa football games and it's just like random girls in the stands at football games. And there's one of me, which here's the creepy part. Someone that I don't know from two or three rows behind me just was like snapping photos of me and sending them to, <laughs> like it, it wasn't a picture from my page. Like it wasn't a picture they took from me and posted. Yeah, it yeah. was like a side shot from behind. And I'm over here just like, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, I'm in like a Vandy t-shirt. Like it wasn't anything bad. I mean, like at a football game, but it was still yeah. just like, first of all, tag me. Second of all, 
who took this picture? What is happening? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So I keep looking at the, the guitars on the wall. Are there any cool stories about those? And I keep looking at the banjo looking one. What, what's that all about? Well, that's the banjo. That's a Martin backpacker. Okay. I've never seen that in my life. What is that? Yeah, yeah. it's just like a guitar and um, it's just smaller. You can travel with it. It's literally called the Martin backpacker and it's just a little travel guitar. So I've taken that to Mexico, New Zealand, Cuba, Costa Rica, um, Africa, Tanzania. Like I brought it everywhere. Nice. Hey, speaking of Barstool before, uh, you ever going to get on Bustin' with the Boys since you're down in Nashville with Taylor, Taylor's podcast? Um, I, I don't know that I'm familiar with it. He has a, he has a podcast that Barstool bought out in uh, January this year, him and Will Compton. They have like, they have a pretty big following, but they're, they literally record on a bus that doesn't work in Nashville. It's like a pimped out bus. Yeah, it's pretty sick. cool. And they actually do. Maybe like a they did reach out. Because I remember they, there was someone that wanted to, to do something on a bus. They do a spotlight like singer for the country singers that go on and like sing like on the bus. It's hilarious, but it's Bussing like, with the boys. That was funny. Yeah, I, I'll I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, definitely have to. Um, love how you turned them down and wanted to come on ours. <laughs> yeah, it means a lot. <laughs> we appreciate. I <laughs> I I try to do every single thing that comes in. It yeah. must have been something that that you know, conflicted or it got canceled for some reason. It hadn't been rescheduled yet or I don't know, but. Yeah. I think you would, I think you would be their first female guest on the bus, to be honest. I don't think they've had a female guest on well, the bus. Well, could it be busting with the boys and girls? <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit, uh, we've had you for a while, so um, just kind of tell us a little bit about like the philanthropy stuff you were mentioning before, like kind of outside of, of singing and um, maybe like why you're passionate about the philanthropy work that you do. So I really love promoting um, athletics for children and um, their development, obviously for all children, but primarily for young girls, because the funding is usually much less there at schools for the female athletics. And um, I've done a couple different things. I think the, the most recent one I did, I hosted a songwriter series called Now You Know Music Row brought a ton of, you know, number one hit songwriters and big artists and just really cool people to, to come and perform. And we raised $5,000 and I took all that money and went with one of the board members from the Boys and Girls Club of Middle Tennessee. And we went shopping and just bought sports equipment for the five different clubs in this area. And we asked each, each different club, um, what do you have and what do you need? So we stocked up on footballs and basketballs and soccer nets and, um, you know, volleyball nets. And then I got the Nashville Soccer Club. So I'm really tied in with, uh, I'm on the Nashville Sports Council and tied in with a bunch of the, the athletes and teams around here because I've done anthems for everybody. And um, I got the Nashville Sports Club guys to come out and scrimmage with the kids so we had this really fun day where we brought all of the sports equipment out did this big you know reveal for them it was like y'all get to keep all this stuff and they all just stay out there and we played for a few hours with them the and the soccer team brought a bunch of swag too for them scarves and and t-shirts and all sorts of stuff and so that was one thing um i try to stop at 
at women's athletic departments all over the country when I'm on tour, obviously pre-COVID, to give free shows to the girls. Because I feel like a lot of times the women's sports department doesn't get as many cool perks and like special guests and just little things happening for them. So I always try to, I'll go play with the volleyball team sometimes too and just scrimmage with them. But I try to just really stay connected to that audience. And I'm actually working with Mizuno right now. They're using my song, Honey Child, which is a women's empowerment song for their whole 2020 and 2021 campaign. And I'm performing at like a bunch of different Mizuno events for, you know, it's thousands and thousands of girls in my exact like market that I'm writing songs for. So it's really fun. That's sweet. Love that. Has it, um, I mean, like, that's cool, like, coming up, but has it, like, that has COVID affected you at all? Obviously, I mean, obviously going out to perform in person, but. <laughs> oh, COVID. The bane of my existence. I hate that word. Um, it's just been obviously terrible. Everyone's shows are canceled. The The worst part is not being able to, to meet new fans in person and I can't tell you how many people have asked me, oh, will you come play in our city? Will you come play here? When are you coming here? When are you coming here? And I'm like, I can't tell you when I'm playing anywhere ever again, because I have no idea when this is going to be over. And people all get shamed for going out and playing shows. It's like, I've got some stuff on the books for 2021, but it's all going to come down to like, how are they going to keep it actually socially distanced? Is there going to be a vaccine that's actually you know, tested and working, like nobody knows. So yeah, COVID's destroyed many, many things. One of the things I was supposed to do this year was I was hosting a TV show on a a new television network that is put on by like, it's owned by the company that owns like the Gaylord Opryland Resorts and the the Grand Ole Opry. And um, they do like a ton of cool stuff. And this TV network, we had like everything sorted out deal signed ready to go for me to host this tv show where i bring them backstage at all these different cool music festivals so you know i perform and then we go do all of the fun things at the festival and that was going to be like the whole tv show it every single festival got canceled (laughs) so not only was i supposed to play but it was like the whole tv show got you know pushed until festivals are going to happen again and even if festivals happen 2021 it's like is the TV show going to be cool if everything's socially distanced and people aren't being like crazy right. on each other's shoulders in the crowd? I don't know. Yeah. So, and that, it I mean, also too, just like for us, like we're based out of like right outside of New York. So sporting events, all that shit, like Yankee games, all the fun stuff. Like we used to do like Knicks games. We, I mean, I, we're big, like Billy Joel fans. So like we went to see him in February and then I usually like last year I saw him like four times. So cause he plays every month at the garden. I was looking forward to that. Couldn't do that at all this year. So the we'll whole, see. the whole shit's just fucked up. Yeah, I would say, I mean, this town is struggling because it just, it trickles down. People think like, oh, the artist shows were canceled. Okay, yeah, but guess what? If the artist show is canceled, that means the band all lost their job. The tour manager lost his job. The bus driver lost his job. The bus tour rental company lost all their tours or all their rentals for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, the lighting and sound engineers lost their job all the venues lost all their income from concerts i mean everybody just got like absolutely screwed 
Mm. So, and no one knew how to plan for this because there's like this tiny little clause in the contract that is basically like, you know, if an act of God happens that no one ever thinks about, and then it's like, well, this is it. This is that little clause, COVID, that nobody ever thought. You're like, well, nothing really makes sense to, to fill that category, but this does. So My, we were just talking about that because, you know, we're roommates and all the people with families, they got a mortgage, they have to pay off all that. And it's, it's yeah. sad. So yeah. I, I uh, and even in Nashville, like, like I said, Friday night was so packed. And the, my Uber driver back to the airport was saying, um, that how packed it was Friday. He was like, honestly, like those bars, like they needed it. Like he's like, it hasn't been like that in a while. So, and just businesses in general, it just it sucks for everyone. And it's hard because people try to give, you know, a lot of the, the business owners, whether it be a musician or whether it be, you know, a bar or whatever the company is, they're getting, giving all these people a hard time because they let go a lot of their staff, but they're like, we have to do what we have to do to keep the company afloat or there's not going to be a job for them to come back to when COVID's done. The whole company is going to be bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's really cool. My, my management company that I'm signed to, Bob Doyle and Associates, they manage Garth Brooks. And Garth, even when he took his like 10-year hiatus, kept his entire band on payroll, even though they weren't playing shows, oh, just because he was like, I'm not going to let you know, my life decisions make all of you lose your job, basically. And so, He's you know, same during COVID. It's, yeah, just an absolute legend. <laughs> um, well, let me tell you, when, when everything goes back to normal, you'll be the, the first concert, country <laughs> concert that I go to. Yeah, let's never, go. Never, never been to a country concert. I've, so. I, I've only been to Zach Brown band. I, I'm like not a huge, huge country person. Although my, friend has, one to go to, though. although my friend has started to get me into it a little bit, but like more like your style where it's like kind of like pop, like, yeah, it's yeah. like speed pop. Very crossover. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a host on a radio show now on this radio station called Yoko 96.7. It's young country and um, it's genreless radio. So we'll play Chris Stapleton and then we'll play. Oh, Chris Stapleton. I like to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's obviously awesome, but we'll play Chris Stapleton and then Dua Lipa. I mean, we just play whatever we feel like playing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is the epitome of like what my music is. It's it's influenced by country, but it's also influenced by pop and by R&B and by whatever I feel like putting in it. And I grew up listening to everything, especially when I mean, y'all know how it is in a locker room, you have music from everyone's different favorite artists. So it's going to be you might have some some Latin songs. You might have some straight up Texas country from the middle of nowhere that you never heard. You might have, you know, some like super hood music that's underground that you've also never heard of. Like you have no clue what someone else is going to play that oh, day. So you, you just get influenced by a lot. Yeah. I agree. I, the, the kid I was with in Nashville was like literally like a, a country superstar could walk past me on the side. I'm like going down Broadway right now. I, I, I would have had no idea who they were yeah yeah no idea but like it, it just wasn't that it wasn't that big up here like when we were growing up until like later on when people like went to college i remember coming back people would be like oh like i started listening to country I'm like what Where'd there that are a couple from? of things that put that into perspective for me because i hadn't really thought about you know like you just you really only think about the celebrities that you know you don't think about all the other industries that exist and when i started singing a bunch of stuff for um nascar and all of the different racing organizations and i realized that 
all these guys who have like these crazy fans losing it for them. I don't know who a single one of them are. Never heard of them. Never watched a race. Yeah. Not a clue. And these people are like crying when they walk by. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is how big the world is. There are so many, there are enough people on this planet for that person to have 10 million fans and for me not to know a single thing about him. I know, it's crazy. And like, and like, not even this this is not even worldwide you're, you're from the same country as us different like texas we're from up north it's like uh, it's just crazy how, how it works like that but yeah it is you get a how do, so so y'all aren't country music fans how are y'all like we should bring julie on well when you when you like you followed me on instagram and then i started listening to your, like a couple of your songs and that's how i i heard about who you were and then, yeah. I, then i saw your son to caa and all that other stuff but you have a big male, male fan base? It's definitely majority women. Um, I've got like the whole analytics sheet. It's actually funny. My, one of the guys on our management team like just made out the analytics sheet. So I'm majority female, but it's probably, I don't know. I think on some accounts, it might be closer to like a 60-40. So it's not anything crazy. But on some, it's more of like a 70-30. Yeah, yeah. But I try to you know, post stuff that my music is not super like man bashing. It's that's one of the things that I always thought, like a lot of female music is kind of man hating and I don't feel that way. I mean, a lot of my best friends are guys. Like I'll, that's actually the majority of my friends. And so I, I want it to be much more of a specific thing. So every song is about like if it's about a person that's a liar it's about any person that's a liar like you could translate that song to be about if you're a guy you could still use the same lyrics about you know a girl who was lying to you so it's definitely more of like directed towards anybody that's just like being a bad person not towards one gender versus the other yeah of course yeah. makes sense well before we hop off do you want to give us any of your future projects going on yeah, what's in the works? What's in the works? Anything you're picking up? I have, I have a lot of new music. I have a lot of new stuff to come out, and it's done. It's completely done, ready to come out. The only reason I haven't released it already is because my song Side Piece is still doing so well, and my song Things I Can't Say with my buddy Spencer Crandall is still on all the playlists and everything. So I was like, I was told by you know the people who are in the industry that are kind of running the playlist, like, just hold off. You're if you put anything else right now, it'll get eclipsed by the songs you already have out. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of just waiting to pull the trigger on those. And I have a bunch of new music that's ready to come out top of 2021, just waiting for Christmas to pass. And then but the, CMT, the CMT video is coming out Friday though, cool. for side piece. Now, would you say that you, because of COVID, like you had all this time to work on music? Is that why you have so much in the works? Probably. Yeah. So there's, there's silver lining. There. There's a little, there are a million silver linings. I yeah. mean, do you really think I would have had time to go to Africa and climb Mount Kilimanjaro? I would have been on tour. I, would, yeah. I wouldn't have been free during October. Like, yeah. Yeah. one of the most popular touring months, college. Yeah. So yeah. that yeah. was uh, one of many silver linings. And I, did, I got to host this series, Cold Team Quarantine, where I brought on a bunch of different pro athletes and Fox and ESPN hosts and other musicians and just really fun influencers or models or TV personalities or whoever to just talk on IG and like 
you know, we're friends from doing stuff, but also busy and we might live in different cities that it's not often that we have 30 minutes, 45 minutes to just catch up. And so these cold team quarantine IG lives were actually really fun and really good ways to stay connected with a lot of my, a lot of my kind of distance friends. Yeah. No, the same thing for us. Cause like a lot of the guests we were getting on, like when we first started, we had like literally no followers. I mean, we still don't have like crazy amount, but like we had no followers. And then mm -hmm. a lot of people were telling us like, like, honestly, we just have so much free time. We're just kind of taking on all, all things like this. So it kind of helped kind of worked out in a positive way. I was keeping yeah. in with Tory Lanez's IG live a lot. Is gets pretty rowdy over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch. Um, you may not be on for a while. Isn't he in trouble? Oh yeah, I forgot he shot a woman in the foot. Yeah, something Wait. like that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he he shot a a woman. And I didn't know he was famous like, like five foot two. He shot a famous woman rap, a lady rapper in, in the foot. Yeah, I forgot her name. I forgot her name. Yeah. I don't know. But um, anyway, thank you so much for all your time. Uh, this was awesome. Um, wish you the best of luck with everything moving forward. Um, this episode will probably go up tonight. So. Oh, wow. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. So we'll yeah. put it up and we'll tag in it. But I uh, really appreciate you coming on. And definitely, like, when you, you start having shows again, we'll try and make a way down to Nashville to hit a show or wherever well, you are. Thank you all for, for having me. And um, – we can spread the word to anybody the the CMT video does premiere on Friday. So I'm really excited about that. And, and shout out your IG handle and all that. Yeah. My Instagram is at Julia Cole music. TikTok is at Julia Cole underscore music. All my other socials are at Julia Cole music and my phone number. And I do respond to all my texts that people send me is 281-336-9956 and i send people free music and exclusive giveaways and fun stuff that, is that is that through community like the community thing yep. yeah oh, nice, nice. all right cool. well, have a happy thanksgiving as yeah. well happy awesome thanksgiving. happy thanksgiving to y'all too thanks for having me when you knew i couldn't come another late night workout an early morning run so that's what you call your side piece Why not little stories Trying to hide it from me Bless her heart, that poor thing Honey, I'm so sorry It's too bad you gon' miss me When you reach for the real thing And all you feel is lonely You can call your side piece Go ahead, call your side piece A little absent judgment a messed up nothing fling A million I'm so sorry Swear she don't mean a thing A moment of weakness Just wasn't thinking straight Right down the wrong road Stupid mistake So that's what you call your side piece White line little stories Trying to hide it from me Bless her heart that poor thing Honey I'm so sorry Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.